0: The first reading is from Habakkuk 3, verse 16 to 19. I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nations invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the Lord of my. The, I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And the second reading is from 1 Peter 1, (coughs) verse 3 to 9. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, may result in praise glory and honor when jesus is revealed though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls this is god's word to us
1: Well, my friends, I'm um, definitely not an expert uh, when it comes to the field of antiques. But one thing that I do know is that with certain items, especially those made of gold or of silver, you have to look for the hallmarks. If you want to know if your antique is authentic, then you must search for those special markings. For the hallmarks tell you about the purity, and the quality and the value. They tell you if you've got the genuine article. But it's a bit like that with Christians, isn't it? The Bible tells us that there are certain qualities that are like hallmarks for the genuine believer, like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Anyone can claim to follow Jesus, but if they're the real deal, then there are certain characteristics that should be present. And one of those hallmarks is joy. The Bible makes it clear that as Christians we should experience and exhibit happiness and delight, rejoicing and gladness. The Bible makes it clear that as Christians we should in fact be overflowing with joy. For example, in Psalm 5, it says, Let all who take refuge in you, Lord, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. In Luke chapter 2, the angel told the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people." In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And in Philippians chapter 5, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And what about those passages that Kathy just read for us? Habakkuk chapter 3, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. And 1 Peter chapter 1, and what a beautiful passage that is. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There is absolutely no doubt that one of the hallmarks of those who trust in Jesus, is happiness, gladness, and joy. But that's not much of a hot topic, is it? I mean, when I saw it on the list, I thought, well, that's a nice topic, but it's not an urgent one. But then I thought about it a bit more. And I got to thinking, if God, if God says that this is so important... Well, then why is it that so often the Christians I know seem to have such limited joy? I've got to thinking, why is it that so often I seem to have such limited joy? Why can we get so down, so negative and critical, so prone to despair? And so I thought perhaps the topic is a bit hotter than I realised. Perhaps we really do need to stop and ask ourselves, where is the joy? And so I want to start by considering why is it that we as Christians struggle in this area? Well, one reason can simply be our own personalities. We're not all the same, and so some of us are more melancholy, more inclined toward being downhearted and sad. That's simply a fact of life, and we do well to recognise it if this is our personal struggle. Another reason can be our own circumstances. It's not easy to rejoice when you lose your job, or fail your exams, or feel stressed and unwell. It's not easy to rejoice when your marriage is on the rocks, or you've been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness, or when you're grieving the loss of someone who you loved. And I'm sure that you're able to fill in the blanks for your own life. It's not easy to rejoice when I'm going through this. But God understands. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're reminded that as well as a time to laugh and to dance, there is also a time to weep and to mourn. But you know, I think there's another reason that we need to consider as well. Because I do wonder, could we actually somewhere deep down think that it's somehow wrong or even unholy to be overly joyful? Could we be so obsessed with our guilt and our failures and our duties and responsibilities that we, that we push joy right out of the picture? Could we actually value stoic misery more highly than exuberant joy. I'm thinking here of the older person who is, who is so serious about their faith that they're actually suspicious of anyone who is expressing enthusiasm and excitement and, and delight. They think they're just some kind of fanatic, a happy clappy who doesn't understand that Christianity is sombre business. But you know, I'm also thinking of the younger person who thinks it's better to be sullen and burdened and hard done by. They think the Christian who speaks or acts or sings with joy and passion, well, they're seriously uncool. Could it be that we have essentially devalued the spiritual fruit of joy and forgotten how to truly rejoice? But digging even deeper, there's an even more fundamental reason that can lie behind these others. And that is that as Christians, we'll often be unhappy because we've fallen into the trap of seeking our pleasure, our fulfilment, our security and our joy in the things of this world. For at the end of the day, no one wants to be miserable And so people seek joy in many different places. Back in Ecclesiastes, Solomon speaks in chapter 2 about how he searched for pleasure and happiness in parties and wine and mindless laughter. He looked for it in projects, building up his property, his wealth and his business enterprises. He looked for it in entertainment, in singers and a harem and all the delights of a man's heart. But is it really any different today? Some seek their joy in their friends and family, in their boyfriend or girlfriend, in the children or the grandchildren. Some look to the attainment of a, of a secure, relaxed, trouble-free life. Some look to career or holidays or fitness. Some to a hobby to indulge in, a team to support, a cause to champion. But do you know what the problem is? The problem is that all these things, even those that are good and wholesome, they're all unstable and they're all temporary in the end. My friends, parties and holidays, they'll all finish. New possessions grow old and lose their shine. Businesses go bust, careers end, enjoyable pursuits become life-controlling addictions, relationships go cold, kids grow up and leave home, loved ones pass away. Solomon said in the end everything he desired was meaningless, a mere chasing after the wind. And that's why it is that those who seek their joy and their happiness in worldly things are quickly disappointed because they fall into that never-ending cycle of if-onlys. If only I had more money, then I'd be content. If only I could overcome this illness, then I would be happy. If only I had more friends or was better looking or could lose weight, If only I could get trendier clothes or a better four-wheel drive or a a larger property. If only I had more time for myself, more weekends away, a more fulfilling job than earlier retirement. If only my parents would get off my back or if I could find a better spouse or if people would pay me more attention. Then, then I could be joyful. But my friends, even when we gain the very thing that we so desperately search for, we soon discover that the joy we expected is somehow disappointing, limited and very short-lived and we just start longing for something else. And so I want to I challenge each and every one of us who are here today to consider, is the reason that you are feeling unsatisfied unfulfilled and unhappy because in reality you're looking for your joy in earthly things are you wanting the assurance of Jesus salvation but yet when it comes to your security and your significance your purpose and your pleasure you're actually seeking them from this world Friends, there's no doubt that as Christians we can struggle to experience the joy and happiness that the Bible says we should. But that leads us then to our next question, which is how then do we attain it? How do we grow in it? How do we overflow with it? How do we, as Peter says, become filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy? Well, let me tell you first how we don't do it. We don't find true joy by putting a stupid grin on our faces and taking on an artificial bubbly personality. We don't find it by ignoring all the troubles in our world and in our lives and just pretending naively that everything is fine. We don't find it by escaping our responsibilities and becoming more self-centered and self-indulgent. We don't find it through the power of positive thinking or by falsely building up our self-esteem. No, my friends, the way to find authentic joy is by focusing less and less on ourselves and the things of this world and more and more on the truth and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see my friends whenever the Bible speaks about joy it doesn't speak about it in isolation but it always speaks about it as rejoicing in the Lord and so we need to remember first of all that we that we have a relationship with the God and King of this universe we know that he created this world and that he rules this world, and that he looks after this world. We know that he's in control of everything that happens in our lives. We know that nothing is by accident, because everything is part of his wonderful plan. But more than that, we know that this almighty Lord of all, he loves us with with a never-failing love. He's invited us to call Him our Father. And He has chosen us to be His own precious children. He has pledged to us that He will always be our God and we will always be His people. We are our daughters and sons of the King and He has promised that He will protect us and He will guide us and He will bless us all of our days. But more still, He has demonstrated his love in the most amazing way by giving us his most precious possession, his own beloved son. For Jesus came to bear our sin as he suffered and died in our place. And Jesus came to make us pure as he clothed us with his perfect righteousness. And so he has removed the burden of our guilt and of our shame. And he has given us the most amazing salvation that there could ever be. But if we believe in Jesus, then we can also be sure that he is caring for us in every part of our lives. There's nowhere we can go that he is not with us. He watches over us every minute of the day. He always hears and answers our prayers. He always provides us with what is best in every situation and no matter how bad things might get we know that we are never alone and as if that wasn't already enough we also know that on that day when we take our final breath that there is a better future awaiting us for our lord is going to take us to himself in paradise And then one day we will be raised to new life in the new heaven and the new earth and all our troubles will be gone and we will live in glory with our God forever. My friends, when we remember these these wonderful, these magnificent, these breathtaking truths, when we remember just how incredibly privileged we are when we remember that we deserved nothing, but yet we have been given everything, well then we will find peace and we will find joy and we will find extraordinary gladness and happiness and joy. Listen again to 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you Oh, my my sisters and brothers, this is a joy that will never disappoint, that can never diminish, that can never be taken away. We can experience it whether we are healthy or sick, rich or poor, have lots of friends or none. We can have this joy no matter what our situation might be. In fact, even when everything around us is is falling to pieces and we feel like life is totally hopeless, like it's just one problem after another, one disappointment after another, even when we feel like complete and utter failures, we can still experience this joy. Though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Oh, my friends, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God even if we would lose everything else, we still have the Lord. We still have his compassion and we still have his hope of eternal life. No matter what you might face in this world, you can yet rejoice because you are a child of God. But that brings us to our last question for this morning. My friends, that is, what effect will this joy have in our lives? Well, again, we start with the opposite. What won't it do? Well, being filled with joy in the Lord does not mean that your life will be perfect. There will still be struggles and tragedies and heartaches that come your way. And it also doesn't mean that you'll never experience sorrow, Or frustration or grief but my friends what it does mean is that underlying all such emotions there will yet be a solid foundation of joy that undergirds it all even on our darkest of days we will be able to remember and rejoice in the fact that our times are still in God's hands and our future is still secure in his love. This kind of joy is something that we will experience deep within us. It's a joy that makes the good times so very good, but that also carries us through the valleys. It's a joy that is experienced by the Christian who is living in poverty, the Christian who is laying on their deathbed, even the Christian under severe persecution. That's why in James chapter 1, he could say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. But this authentic Christian joy is not only experienced on the inside, but it's also exhibited on the outside. It shines through in our attitude toward life, our attitude toward troubles, our attitude toward each other. It shines through in our expression, in the way we smile and laugh. In Proverbs chapter 15, we're told a happy heart makes the face happy." cheerful. And so there's no room here for those who say they only rejoice on the inside. This joy will also shine through in the way that we talk, the way that we pray, the way that we sing. It's tragic that sometimes Christians worship God with looks of disinterest on their faces and sounds of a dirge on their tongues. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. But there's also some other effects that joy will have in our lives. You see, true joy will actually protect us from temptation. Because instead of chasing our happiness in in worldly things and as a result being lured into sin we will find our happiness in Christ alone. True joy will also motivate us in the way that we serve. When we do things out of a sense of duty or just to impress others, then it quickly becomes a burden. But when we do them out of joy, well, then they're a delight. We'll love to spend time in devotions. Love coming to church, love serving in a ministry, love to give, love to show hospitality, love to care for the needy. And so it goes on. When we have true joy in the Lord, my friends, we will also become a great encouragement to each other. I don't know about you, but I've never been uplifted by a gloomy Christian. Those who are negative, bitter and complaining, well, they just bring you down. But the Christian with a smile on their face and a positive word to say, the Christian who's keen to help and participate and support, well, they are just an enormous blessing from the Lord. And finally, my friends, when we have true joy in the Lord, we will also become a great witness for the gospel. For my friends, the gospel is good news It's the best news, and so it should fill us with gladness. I mean, why would an unbeliever listen to a miserable Christian? They're just a contradiction in terms. But when we overflow with happiness, that is when people are attracted to our Lord Jesus Christ. So my brothers and sisters, we've thought today about this topic of joy. We've seen that it is is a hallmark of the authentic Christian, but we've also admitted, haven't we, that far too often our own joy is missing in action. But how crazy that is. I mean, we can rejoice in the purchase of a new car or the birth of a baby or in our team winning the grand final, but then how much more shouldn't we rejoice in the Lord our God and in the salvation of our very souls and in that inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. My friends, don't we want to experience greater delight in the Lord? Don't we long to gain and to grow in and to overflow with rejoicing? Well, then I urge you today, Take time to remember who you really are, a child of the living God, showered with every spiritual blessing in Christ and take time to ask him to work in your heart that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be complete. Let's pray. Oh Father in heaven, words just cannot express how great and how merciful you are and how richly and how wonderfully you have blessed us. You chose us before the creation of the world to be holy in your sight, to know you as our loving Father and to receive the most amazing, glorious and eternal inheritance. But yet, Father, we know That we can so easily forget and live as though none of this is true and so we ask you this morning please fill us with your holy spirit and may your spirit fill us with your joy may we experience it in our hearts and may we exhibit it in our lives lord god may we here at riverbank be a church that is filled and overflowing with happiness and rejoicing as we celebrate this wonderful salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.